You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, daily YouTube videos, and I'm a longtime podcaster. Also, I have metastatic stage 4 prostate cancer that came out of remission in January. During the 2020 pandemic, my doctors advised me to stay at home, and the Life of Fitz podcast was born. Four years later, I'm back in my cancer fight and continuing this podcast, calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I have met throughout my 35 years in this industry. And now I'm adding in some new friends to my call list. And of course, I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. Chris Kleiman arrived at Kansas State in December of 2018 after winning four national titles in five seasons at FCS level, North Dakota State. The athletics director who hired him at NDSU was Gene Taylor, who in the spring of 2017 became the new AD at K-State. Taylor went through the search process following the retirement of Bill Snyder and kept coming back to Kleiman, not just as a coach who would win football games in the Big 12, but as a guy who could definitely handle following the legendary Bill Snyder, fit into the K-State culture, and might just might settle in at K-State for a very long time. Well, Kleiman is four seasons into his time in Manhattan. His Wildcats won the 2022 Big 12 championship, and he just signed an eight-year new contract offered by Taylor that Kleiman says will keep him in Manhattan for the rest of his coaching career. And on top of all of that, Chris Kleiman is one of the nicest head football coaches you will ever meet. In fact, he loves to give me crap during his weekly interviews. And he seems to understand how to navigate these changing times in college football. When he hangs up with us, he will meet with Taylor about some of those very issues. So now... Let's call the head football coach at Kansas State University, Chris Kleiman in Manhattan, Kansas. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Hi, Fitz. You just go from one thing to another, don't you? Well, um, Kevin Ingram. Yeah. You know him? Uh, name's familiar. Well, he's the uh, he's president of Manhattan Christian. Oh, College. yeah, that's why. Yep. Yeah. And then he's kind of our chaplain and stuff here. Um, so he was out of town 
or out of the country for 14 days and he came up and grabbed his ring and I hadn't seen him. And so I grabbed him and talked to him for 10 minutes. And then I looked and I was like, oh, I bet it's close to 10 o'clock. And sure enough, there it is. Huh. You just got this inner clock. I don't have an inner clock. I don't either. My goodness. Um, you, you know, here's where my inner clock is, Fitz. It's how many more years until that clock ticks when I can go lay on a friggin' ass beach and drink a beer. You're so much alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll just have the resources to do so after that last contract. I I, I won't. Nobody's giving me a new contract. <laughs> well, up that subscription price for crying yeah, out loud. No doubt. <clears throat> no doubt. I I guess, I mean, my beach might be Milford and yours might be Bermuda. <laughs> well, I can promise you mine won't be Milford. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, how are you, you feeling? I feel good. I, I, I gotta, I'll be honest and reminder that we're rolling. Um, that I, uh, I, this was the hardest phase I've been through, and it was only three sessions. But I don't know if you have any phobias, but this played on a couple of my worst phobias of being confined and trapped and limited breathing. Yep. And, um, and it required a lot of medication to get me through. So, but it was only three okay. sessions. Uh, the doc knew it. He made them longer than, you know, he kept them yep. less frequent. Um, so it, it worked out fine. It was, the, my medical staff's amazing. It's incredible. Are you, are, were you immobilized for like an hour? Well, no. Um, it's a mask that they formed, uh, around my face. I had to be medicated yep. for that because they literally stretched oh. this material across yeah. your face. I bet. And then it's, it fits into this clip thing and you are actually, then you're, the mold stops at your shoulders, like it overlaps your shoulders. And uh, they were addressing a neck tumor that has spread, spread there. So it actually clips to the table. You're actually pinned to the table for this. So you're totally immobile um, with this, what turned out to be almost like a hard plastic mask pushing down on your face, your lips, your chin, your throat, all that. Yeah. Not fun, yeah. Uh, but uh, I no. got through it. And, you know, I, I got to be honest, uh, I thought cancer would be more fun than this. And it's just, it yeah. just hasn't worked out for me. I thought I'd get no. some superpowers, maybe yeah, fly. Yeah, well, yeah. It sucks. Man, I'm praying for you every day. I, uh, uh, last uh, Friday, uh, a classmate of mine uh, who has terminal cancer uh, in Kansas City, uh, a friend of mine called me, another classmate, and said, get your butt out of that office, and we're going to play golf with Bill. Nice. Because it might be his last time he plays golf. And they have stopped treatment on him, uh, tumors everywhere. Yeah. And I sat in the cart with him, and we laughed for four and a half hours talking about stories from from high school. Um, cried a little bit. I mean, I, it, it was a, it was a hard deal, um, because they've stopped everything on the guy. And he said, I'm not done fighting. I'm right. going to come to, a, I'm coming to a game this year. And I said, you're damn right. You are you going to be on the sideline with us? You're going to be up in the press box. You're going to do everything. Um, but just the, the strength and the intestinal fortitude of people like yourself and this kid, man, my heart goes out because it's, it's a journey. I know that. Well, if he's like me, he has his his last stand plan, you know, the Alamo. Yep. This is what I'm yep. going to do. It's crazy. It, it doesn't make any sense in a term of modern medicine, but we seem to be seeing some results from it. I'll just say it. It's a dog dewormer that has 
been used well, and solve cancer. And if once they tell me we got nothing more for you, I'm going to say, well, I'm going to give this a shot then since you're done with me. Okay. So he was going to Iowa City for a experimental treatment. And then on his way there, his doctors called him and said, Unfortunately, they just stopped the experimental treatment in the uh, United States. Is that normal? I I don't understand our medical uh, everything God, our government man. does. It's just so that just crushed him as well. I'm like yeah. shit. Yeah, it's the spirits. I mean, you just gotta. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's been my big thing. It's just trying to keep up that attitude and spirit because you know you're literally yeah. living with the devil inside you, and you don't know where yeah. all it is, and you don't know how bad it is, and. Yeah. Um, so you just got to try to get going, but yeah, those, those things hit extra heavy. That's just yeah. crap. Yeah, it is. So, all right, let's talk more positive. Yeah, let's do that. Everyone stop listening. So that, that, that'll work out well. Uh, Hey, uh, anything big happened in your life in the last seven, eight months? Uh, we, we won some game that was pretty important. Around <laughs> how, uh, how amazing was that whole you know, first you had a fight to earn that spot. You put yourselves in a bad position. Um, you had to fight uphill a little bit. You got a break from Texas losing. Um, I mean, just how incredible was that journey last year? It was incredible, and that's probably what makes it more rewarding is the fact that it wasn't uh, an easy route, and it never is an easy route. And, you know, the fact that we did it on the road was what impressed me so much. Um, to be able to win at Oklahoma, to be able to win at Iowa State, to be able to uh, win at uh, uh, West Virginia, you know, to be able to win at Baylor. I mean, we were on the flip side of the schedule where you had to play five on the road and four at home, and we knew that we were going to have to be road warriors. And the one game we lost on the road, I I could have told you when we got in that locker room after the game, everyone on the team was pissed because we should have won the game. But give TCU credit. They played a great second half, and we didn't. They're feisty. You know, I, I just I, – I think teams in some ways take on the character of their um, quarterback, and I thought that was so true for TCU. Max Duggan was just an absolute warrior. The stuff he did in the Big 12 championship was absurd. Yeah, I've always been a fan of his. Um, saw him down at uh, the media days in the summer and, and visited with him a little bit because uh, I just have so much respect for him. And, and you can tell he is an absolute warrior and he was everything to that team. And um, you're right. I mean, that, that game he played in the big 12 championship, he never thought there was any opportunity that ever going to lose that game. Right. And that's what you want from your leader. And uh, um, you know, game's a matter of inches. We talked about it this morning with our guys at, at, winter, at summer workouts of a matter of inches. And, the last two Big Twelve championship games have been decided by about two inches. Yep, yep. That as a defensive coach, that goal line stand that that had to do your heart good. It, it did for as little a time as you as we put in, and Kalanderman and I talked about this of how many goal line snaps you really practice because it just you, you just don't have have. It doesn't happen that much, but then to have back to back with your big people out on the on the field and having to win it with, you know, a goal line stand and and bunch of D linemen out there, and you get a kid like Damian Alalio that has to play a play and plays it as good as he can play it and flawlessly, and then, you know, Eli Huggins, that kid's been a warrior here for us for a long time, and uh, what a great way to end your college career if you're him. Yeah, I mean, I. Coach, that's a K-State story right there. I mean, you, you, it is. you got a kid that's in the developmental program that um, 
hasn't developed where you need him to be. Maybe he is now, and he'll play more this year, but he wasn't then. And you also got a kid in Eli who also came up and had to develop and turned into one hell of a football player. I mean, that's still K-State. Yeah, it is. Hopefully they make a movie out of that sometime because you're 100% right. I mean, that's hey, it's not my time, but when it is my time and when is my opportunity, i got to make the most of my opportunity so that I'm counted on uh, amongst my peers and teammates, and I'm excited for Damian this year. And you think when I first got here, um, it was the Drew Wileys, the Trey Deshauns, and Eli was the third or mm-hmm. even fourth behind Mitty. Um, you know, he was just kind of the extra guy. Hey, get us 12 snaps a game. And, yep, I'm just going to keep doing it, keep getting better, keep playing, and then having the chance to come back for his sixth year. Um, you know, I knew he was going to have that type of a, a great season, but then to cap it off like he did um, with the plays he made in that championship game is, is, is K-State way, 100% right. It uh, it was as nerve-wracking as a game as I've ever covered. And, you know, when you're up in the press box, you have no outlet. I mean, you're not allowed to cheer. You're not allowed to do anything. And uh, since that day, and this is a true story, I had an extra blood pressure pill in my uh, carry bag, my, my go bag, and I've moved it to my briefcase to have it in the press box. I thought your team was going to kill me that day because I'm just sitting there. This is the most <laughs> incredible football game I've ever covered, and I've covered some great games. This was amazing. Well. Uh, Wyatt Thompson and I talked about this when we were on the catbacker tour. I wasn't that nervous. I don't think anybody was on the sideline because you're so locked into the right. game. But I'm like, from a fan's perspective, yeah, I could see that being a, a roller coaster of emotions. And someday, and I told Wyatt, someday I'm going to sit down and watch that uh, as a fan. And it might be a while um, to just watch it as it played out as a fan. But uh, uh, yeah, it was one of the best college games. Uh, I've ever been in and I've been in some really good ones that have had championship um, pedigree to them. And I've been some other ones, just really good college games in the regular season, an Oklahoma game or something. But that one with the stakes as high as they were um, was probably the best game I've been a part of. Yeah, it was it was incredible. I mean, from Deuce doing Deuce things in the defense and and Will Howard, uh, people still don't respect will howard to the level at which he plays i've seen lists that have him not even in the top four quarterbacks in the big 12 for this upcoming season i'm like what How, how's that even possible yeah uh i think he was uh, probably the most improved player in the big 12 last year i think you'd make an argument of him over anybody else um and uh it's all because of his work ethic and his belief and our belief in him and uh, the fact that um, he's a lot of what Max Duggan was to TCU to what our kids believe in that kid now. And I think that's a really tribute to Will because a lot of the guys that he's played with have seen him struggle. And then to see him come on the other side of it, um, to know that it didn't just happen that kid put in the work in the weight room and, and throwing and, and running and film set session and uh, being a leader out there, whether he was the starter, whether he was the backup behind Adrian or Skyler, just seeing that kid work every day and not worry about, well, this is what the depth chart says. I'm just going to work and prepare. And when my opportunity comes, uh, I'm going to prove to everybody that the two years I had learning I learned so much and I'm ready to take that next step. And I thought the kid took the next step 
And I know this, and he and I've talked about this. There's more inside of, of Will Howard. I, I know there is. There's more in there, and the experience that he gained in 2022, I think, is going to do nothing but help him. Whether it's handling adversity to uh, to handling success, because I thought he handled success really well last year. Uh, on top of it, yeah, he did. He, uh, I. I got to be honest, when he came in in the first TCU game, I had no idea what to expect. You had been telling us he was a very good quarterback, but we just hadn't seen the consistent results of it publicly. Um, yep. And then he starts just tossing the ball around the field, putting it in tight windows. And, you know, maybe there was some good fortune involved there. Maybe he surprised TCU, but all of a sudden he's just wailing on TCU. I'm like, what in the world? This this is everything Kleiman said, but it more. This is incredible. Yeah, I, I guess I saw it as fall camp started to go. Um, you know, he took all the snaps in the spring because Adrian missed all that spring. And then Adrian started to take more and more reps. But when Will get a chance to go against the first team defense, I saw some of those tight window throws. Once again, they're practice. But I saw some of those tight window throws. And more importantly, I saw a kid gaining confidence um, in, in his ability and gaining confidence in what he was seeing pre-snap was matching what he was seeing post-snaps post-snap and that's a big football thing for for a quarterback to say what i'm seeing and then the ball snap yep it's it's staying true to what what i know and what my film studies told me and then he did he just ripped it and i thought that was the thing that uh i would tell you why i thought he was the most improved player because he was had no hesitation. He just said, it's there and I'm ripping it. And I look at the TCU game as one thing, but then I look at the Baylor game and that's when it really showed up to me uh, of the, the anticipation on a couple throws to Ben Sennett. We're like, holy cow, that is a tight window. And you found a way to knife it in there, but you had confidence and belief in yourself uh, and just played fearless and ripped it. Do you watch Ben Sennett's development kind of with a, almost a fatherly thing? I mean, he comes out of Iowa. He's he's really good, Chris. I mean, he's he's amazing. He's NFL quality, and he just seems to be getting better. Yeah, um, Will Howard and Ben are really good friends, yeah. and I always I always tell Will, I said, it's these Waterloo Iowa guys. You got to be careful of them. They're they're <laughs> they're they're, they're kind of scary talented and uh and he always says well you couldn't have been that way we laugh about it and stuff but um he was a tremendous athlete when he got here he just was undersized and then all of a sudden he started to get bigger started to get stronger he's always been able to run but the same thing of getting that confidence and i would tell you when the light turned on for him was in the first half of the oklahoma game um when he caught some seam balls when you know you're going to get hit and you know you're going to get stroked. And instead, he runs through some of those tackles and he'd carry two or three guys. And I'm like, that's what that kid needed. He, we thought he could do it. We believed he'd do it. I don't know if Ben thought he could, could. And all of a sudden, he had some success and it took off. And uh, I see a guy that that's playing with so much confidence that has also got so much more in him than what he ended up um, doing last year. I thought he had a great last half of the year, maybe last three quarters of the year, but I think there's more in Ben as well. And we've got to find some different ways creatively to get him the football because um, I think he's a tremendous tight end. I think he's a really good uh, fullback type guy. He might be one of our top receivers too. I mean, we can flex him out and he could be a wide receiver because he's a mismatch. Um, So it'll be fun to watch what Colin does this year. 
to try to find ways to get him the ball. But it's been fun to watch the evolution of how he's progressed and grown and gotten better and better. In the course of developing schemes, um, you mentioned need to find Ben other ways to get the ball. How much do coaches steal? Does does Colin put in the Chiefs tapes and look at how they use Travis Kelsey, even though different athlete a little bit, but still they use him so create you know, so much creativity in how they go about their offense with him. Everybody's stealing stuff from everybody. That that's what we do. Um yeah, and there's some there's some unique um individual ideas that our coaches come up with. Uh, then, you know, with our, you know, Clint Brown and Josh Buford, some of our analysts and QCs that are watching things, maybe, maybe they're watching from a, a game that uh, um, is a breakdown game and we're watching something from somebody else. But um, then we try to, you know, just fit it into what we do as a scheme. I, I agree. When you get a kid like Ben, you got to see what they've done with Kelsey and what they've done with some of the other uh, tight ends that, that are productive. Uh, in the NFL, but uh, I, I know we did that a lot with Deuce Vaughn. Uh, let's see how people have used different running backs, you know, whether Alvin Kamara to uh, other other guys in the league where they have a skill set of catching the ball as well as running the ball. And a, a lot of people are stealing ideas all the time, but that's uh, uh, that's that's keeping it fresh for our players too. Especially when you can show a highlight of a of an NFL kid that piques their interest all the time. Yeah, exactly, Deuce. Um, I, I mean, what do you, what can you say? He's he's been with you since the start. He's just been, you know early on at least, amazing, an amazing kid, amazing locker room person. But, boy, what he did on the field and so humble. Yeah. Did you steal any DNA to clone him? Did, <laughs> I did wish. his parents let you do that? Just run it over to yeah. Vet Med. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be good? Uh, you know, that's a – it's hard to replace a Deuce Vaughn. We're going to do it by committee a little bit this year. We feel like we have some talented running backs, but the heart of that kid – um, the, the, the thing that, um, we, we talked about this and I've visited with different media people about it. The durability of him is what, um, yeah. uh, somewhat amazed me until if you could follow that kid from the time he got here on Sunday morning after a game through a Friday night before he went to bed, I've never seen a kid work on his body so much. Um, whether it's nutrition, hydration, supplements to Normatex, to cold tubs, to stretching, um, what he did every day to make sure that his body was as fresh as it could be. Because what you guys saw on Saturdays, we saw every Monday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday, because the kid practiced that way. And uh, those cuts that you'd see, I was seeing him on a Tuesday. I'd see him on a Wednesday. He would set people up in the secondary, whether it be scout team or whether it be against uh, a good versus good period, because he worked at his craft nonstop. And he always bounced back the next day because he did an unbelievable job of taking care of his body. Yeah, I have no doubt he's going to stay in the league a while. I don't care what the metrics are, the sizes. The He's going to be in the league a long time because he can do so much helping you out special teams yep. especially back but also in your locker room i i, I think yeah. that might be his biggest loss to the program it's just his presence is gone and, and that example he set yeah with without a doubt um and the fact that he walked the walk um and he and he talked the talk and and he was a humble kid you're right but 
he, he would call guys out. I mean, that was one thing about it is, and you couldn't say, well, you're not doing that. He would never <laughs> tell a kid to do something he wasn't doing. And, um, and you're right. I, that's where I think he's going to have uh, a double digit career in the NFL is, um, you know, whether it's his durability, whether it's his football IQ, the kid is so smart football wise uh, that he doesn't have to take those big shots either. He does a great job of protecting himself. Uh, before we move on to some other topics, there's one more kid I want to talk about. He's turned into probably my favorite kid on your team because he refuses to leave, it turns out. Uh, we thought Daniel Green was going to leave after the Texas loss two years ago, and he stuck around. Yeah. And then talking to him after the Sugar Bowl, it sure felt like he was saying goodbye, um, and he came back for his COVID year. I've never seen a young man evolve personally the way Daniel has and the type of person and player he's turned into over the course of his K-State career. I'm, I'm really proud to know him because he's he's a tremendous young man, at least from my point of view. Yep, maturity, maturity, maturity. <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, an example for so many kids to uh, look up to that he's had some success, he's had a bunch of adversity, but he keeps fighting and keeps coming back, and I'm with you. After the Sugar Bowl, I gave him a hug and told him I'd do anything I could to help him and, and um, uh, was rooting for him and know he had a place in uh, in the league, whether he was drafted or whether he was a free agent, that um, um, good things happen to good people. And I don't know where I was. It was uh, about the January 10th, 12th, somewhere in there where I knew that it was down to the last day or two that you had to declare but we were also starting school in, in another week and he called me and he just said, Hey coach, I'm, I'm getting some reports. I don't know where I'm going to be at. I know I was injured most of last year. Um, what would you think about me coming back? <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, I stopped the car. I didn't even, I had to pull over because I, I would have not concentrated on the road. I pulled over and I said, Daniel, I'd be the greatest post-Christmas present uh, I could ask for, uh, for you to come back, not only what you do on the field, but more importantly, what you do off the field in our locker room, um, helping young people um, that have come from, it's not like you're from Kansas City, you're from Oregon. I mean, you, you've come from a long ways, and that's the thing that I'm so impressed with, with all of our six-year guys. There's so many six-year guys that have that opportunity to play one more year, it's a COVID year or whatever, Let's go do it in my hometown. Let's go do it somewhere else. But those kids, uh, and, and Daniel's a big part of that. No, I, I, I've got unfinished business here at Kansas State. And I have a legacy at Kansas State, and I want to keep building on that legacy. And that's what he's done um, on the field, off the field. And if we can you know, pray for him that he stays healthy, yep. that kid's going to have uh, an all Big 12, all American type year. Yeah, I, I just feel like he had such an injury riddled, limited season. And the, even when he was playing through injuries, he wasn't 100%. You could tell. <clears throat> I, I, I just kind of feel like he goes, no, that's not how I'm ending my college career. I want to do it right. I agree. And you're right. He was a shell of himself most of the year, but he just did it on guts and the fact that he needed to be out there for his guys. And uh, he's had a really good off season, and I'm excited to see him this summer and heading into fall camp. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, let's turn our attention to this upcoming team. How good can this team be? Well, we're not last year's team, and that's the first thing we've got to get out of our mind. Right. Is, um, that 2022 team was special, but a lot of those guys are gone. The makeup is gone, all that stuff. We're going to learn from experiences we had in 2022, but we can't keep coming back to that. We've got to start moving forward more um, in all of our workouts and, and all that stuff. But we have a chance offensively to be pretty good because of the offensive lineman returning, because of the quarterback returning, because of several skilled guys returning. Um, but one of the big reasons we were really good on offense last year is we did not turn the football over. And that's a huge uh, piece that uh, Coach Klein is always emphasizing is you cannot turn the football over. And we were really good at that, of maintaining possession. And so that's going to be – uh, a big key to it, but uh, as, all, as well as how can we replace that production with Deuce um, with the running back position. And then on defense, uh, we lost a lot of guys in the secondary, a lot of really good players that have had a ton of experience. And so that's the area that um, I feel that we've got to shore up the most in the summer and fall camp is to build some depth so we're playing more guys. Uh, but who's going to be the, the Julius Brents, the Echo, um, you know, the, the Drake Cheatham, the Josh Hayes, who's going to be those guys and take those reps um, because those were critical, critical reps. And then we can't forget about Ty Zentner because Ty was a difference maker on special teams, punting the ball as well as he did, kicking the ball out of the end zone as often as he did, and then, you know, finishing up the season as a as a reliable, really weapon as a field goal kicker it was incredible i mean if he doesn't step forward in the field goal game i don't you're not playing for a big tall championship no i mean no, it was amazing what not. he did yeah and uh wanting that pressure and that's why yeah. i think that's why i think ty will have success and get a chance to to make the eagles roster is he such a competitor he wants the big kick he wants the big punt on his foot yeah and his demeanor going onto the field. I'll never forget it. Just <laughs> laughing. I'm like, that's what a good kicker has. That's what they have to think. Like, yep. just another and day. Yeah. And I'll be honest. That's why coach true pushes the kickers, the punters, the snappers, every bit as, as much as the skill kids or the alignment in, in our morning runs, in the weight room, in the competition drills that we have in the indoor those kids have to go through it just as much as uh, any of our skilled kids or any of our linemen do, because we want those guys to say, I'm, I'm not losing, I'm not losing this rep against this guy in this drill. And that's the, the kind uh, of guy that Ty was, is he was a competitive son of a gun. You knew as well as I do when that kid went on the field, that that kick was going through. Yeah. Yeah. And a pretty good athlete. I mean, phenomenal like, athlete. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really good. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this season and for many re reasons, but the new conference just intrigues me. I don't know what to ex expect from 
particularly UCF when they come to town and Houston. And I'm disappointed Oklahoma is not on the schedule. But it, is it refreshing or just like, okay, well, we kind of had a understanding of all the teams in this conference, you know, a base understanding. And, and now you bring in some new ones. And this is kind of we got to start from scratch on these programs. Yeah, we do have to start from scratch. We've done a lot of uh, detailed work uh, on self-scouting and, and write-ups and stuff on, on especially UCF and Houston because we play those two teams, especially UCF so early. Um, they'll have tremendous talent, the really good football team. But I'm excited about that. I, I'm excited for our fans to get uh, uh, a couple of new teams to come in here. Yeah, I think it stinks that we're not playing Oklahoma. Uh, I think it stinks that we're not playing West Virginia because I've really gotten to uh, enjoy the West Virginia rivalry because uh, Skyler's last year, that game was like a must win for that senior class because they had struggled to beat West Virginia dating back to their freshman and sophomore years. Um, And then to go to Morgantown and, and win like we did, it's become a great uh, football game and I've got so much respect for for Neil um, but for you guys that have been around here so long to not have Oklahoma and Kansas State on the schedule is, is really kind of strange I, to me it is I can't believe what it is for for you guys uh, but in the same respect we know that that era is over with and I'm excited about the, the four teams that are coming in all right. I mean, I'm I'm really fired up about the new 12 or 16 or 20, whatever it is. Do you pay any attention to all this? Because it seems like a huge distraction. I'm totally, you know, immersed in it because it's so important to my job right now. But yeah. this whole conference realignment thing seems like I'll just yeah. tell me who to play. Well, that that exactly. That's your world. You have to pay attention to it. Um, I don't. And I know what our schedule is going to be for 2023. None of us know what our schedule is going to be for 2024, right? right. I mean, nobody nope. does because we're still waiting to see what Domino is going to drop next. I, I pay attention to it enough to say what's going to happen with the Pac-12, but it, it's it's nothing I can worry about um, for the future. I think it's intriguing um, when you see things, but I don't know what's going to happen or if and when things are going to happen. So the only thing we can do is focus on the task at hand, and that's the 2023 schedule. And and exciting uh, that we're going to play UCF in Houston with a couple of new teams coming to Manhattan. Yeah, I, I just wish they'd concentrate more on my needs. No, Nobody asked me. I, I know. <laughs> exactly right. Why I mean, aren't you in, in some of those conversations? I, I, I would have San Diego State in the conference already, and same with UNLV. Might throw in Tulane because I love New Orleans. Um, yeah. I'd probably ask College of Charleston to add football. See, they just—I don't know. I don't think it's done with Fitz. I agree with you. I don't think it's done on a lot of levels in a lot of different leagues for years to come. Oh, I don't know. Not. No. Yeah, I—I I don't know when it's ever going to the carousel is going to stop. Maybe not even in my coaching uh, lifetime. I don't know. But uh, a lot of a lot of movement still happening and still going to happen. I believe. Well, let me ask you this general question. It looks like we're creeping towards three twenty-team conferences, um, and as I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself conflicted here because I cover the Big Twelve. I've been through it all. I mean, I've been through the. So I started with the Big Eight, so I've seen every yeah. phase of this realignment. Um, it's amazing that the Big Twelve is in this position. It's, it turns out this conference found the leadership at the right time to really right its ship. But three twenty-team conferences isn't good for college football. It's not, is it? Yeah. Um, as far as having uh, a rivalry base, you know, yeah. it might. It probably isn't. But 
uh, it, it's, you know, the 12 team playoff and I think is why that they need to do something like that. Uh, and, you know as well as I do, if 12 is successful, then it's going to go to 16 or whatever yeah. it may be because I was a part of that world in FCS and when it was 16 and then it went to 20 and then it went to 24 because of the excitement it brought to, to campuses and, and getting more and more teams involved in playoff uh, football. Um, and that's what I believe is going to happen when we when we expand here to 12 is people are going to get a taste of it and say, well, Man, I don't know how thirteen and fourteen got out. We've got to get to sixteen, yeah. You know? right. And it's just going to keep keep going. So if you're going to have that many teams in, I think it's probably wise to try to spread the the games out so that uh, it's not just five conferences. And so if it ends up being three twenty team leagues, maybe you get some uh, different competition, different uh, uh, evaluating tools. Uh, to find out who those best 12, 14, 16, whatever it ends up being, teams are. Interesting. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm just intrigued by it all. Uh, but let's let's get back to the most important things. Um, uh, what beach would you pick to live on? Oh, I'm going to be in Florida. Somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I'll be in South Florida for sure. Uh, that's um, my wife and I have spent some time down there when we can get away for brief periods of time and um, whether or not that's in January or if it's in spring break, which was no fun this year because there's too many people down on, <laughs> on the beaches to whatever it is, just uh, to know I'm going to have 80 to 85 degree weather would be, would be pretty nice. Yeah. This is a little known secret about myself. I was born in Florida you probably can tell by my tan. Wow. Yeah. I was born in West Palm beach. Holy cow. Yeah. And what brought you to, what would bring you up north then? Well, uh, my parents kidnapped me uh, at six months old and huh? uh, moved me uh, to to a town nearby. Uh, and I'm thankful they didn't stay there because if we had stayed in Columbia, Missouri, yeah. I'd be a total pain in the ass. Yeah. I'd, I would just not be a good person. And But then we moved to Salina, Kansas, and my dad went to Northwestern, so there wasn't really a choice what school I was going to. It was going to be so the purple one. So you spent six, six months in Florida. So yeah, really hard time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really uh, um, I, I probably kept getting a little into the, you know, the beach life, yeah. surfing at four months old. Yeah, oh, and my yeah. Parents I can, see you. I can see you surfing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take it. I can barely walk. <laughs> take, take a couple. Take a couple of boards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tie them together. Exactly. It's just. Uh, do they have like walkers that you, the equivalent of a surfboard? The walkers? I don't know, but. Yeah, Florida's yeah. wonderful. It does. The summers are a little bit. Eh. Well, I'm not going to be there in the summer. No, I'm you're going to be one of those. You're going to go. Oh gosh, yeah. I'm not going to be there in July and August and and probably September. Whether it's the heat or the hurricanes, I got to find a place a little cooler than that for sure. And Iowa doesn't really work for that. I mean, it's nah. it, we. No, they're a little bit. They're a little bit north of Kansas, but it still gets that that kind of agricultural humidity that just sucks. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I spent eight years in North Dakota, but you don't know on October 1st, you could get a foot of snow and you're like, <laughs> what the heck am I doing here? It's time to go south, but it's only October 1st. So my wife and I haven't even had the conversation of where we'd spend the other handful of months. Um, starting to get to know more and more people in Kansas. So it's uh, starting to, to, you know, raise up as far as, well, maybe it's Kansas that will 
um, uh-huh. spend our other months. You know, we were here for a year or two, and then co- or a year, and then COVID hit, and I'm like, who would be around here in COVID? Well, now it's changed, and now it's mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot more things going on, and we're getting a lot more friends outside of just football, and it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun here the last few years. Yeah, it, I, look, I I joke. I was born in Florida, briefly lived in Columbia, Missouri, and but I moved to Salina, Kansas, um, at age four, and you know, uh, I, so I, Kansas is all I know, and they're gonna. This I'm is where, telling you, where I'll live it my kid, who's a sophomore at Kansas Wesleyan, loves Salina. Huh. Loves it. Tons of restaurants that he can eat at and stuff. He's, it's been a great fit for him. They have done a great job with my hometown. It was uh, it was struggling. The downtown, you know, the mall wiped out the downtown. The same story of many Midwestern communities. Uh, then time came back around where the mall got wiped out, and they've done a great job with the downtown. And Kansas yeah. Wesleyan's done a great job of reinventing itself. Oh. It's really, yeah. really impressive, their facilities. And um, and plus, he's got a bogeys right there. That's always good. Exactly. He He's like, why would I? I said, it's right down the street from me. You go there every day and get a tenderloin and a, and a shake. Yeah. I mean, then keep his weight on. Keep, you know, <laughs> this is always a problem for college kids, you know, to keep that weight on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you finally settled into a coaching staff that feels permanent and it never is, but it, it just yeah. feels like this is your group. And how important is that to have a group like that, that are kind of your brothers as you go to war? You all, you all know that I hate war yeah. analogies. I'm sorry. Uh, as you go into games, you, you know how everyone's going to react and handle things. Yeah, it's, it's I'm very fortunate. We've uh, for the most part kept a lot of guys around. Um, and like right now, uh, after each workout, a different coach is addressing the players and the, all of our messaging, you know, with our four core values is, is consistent, but coach Riley is going to give it different than coach Klein and coach Kleinerman is going to give it different than coach Wyatt. And, uh, um, the familiarity with the faces, with the stability in our program, uh, I know is, is a big reason why we've been successful the last couple of years is they're hearing, Maybe a different tone, but the same messaging, and I think that is so important. And uh, um, just the continuity of knowing, well, this is what we do at practice, and this is what we do during recruiting, and this is what we do during an official visit, and this is what we do during camps. Um, it uh, it makes it so much easier uh, in my position as the head coach, knowing I don't have to be there. These guys can run it. They know what, exactly what we're doing and what we need to get done. Yeah, it's. A, I look at your staff and I, I kind of think he's a head coach. He'll be a head coach. He'll be a head coach, um, and I. And that's not important either. I mean, some guys are just meant to be assistant coaches, and that's what they're really good at. And we see them get yeah. elevated to head coach, and they stink at it. And, but I think you've got a lot of head coaches on your staff. Yeah, and that's why I want to get those guys out in front of our, our players more and right. more, as well as out in front of the community or out in front of donors or out in front of boosters and out in front of fans and stuff, because that's the part of the job that nobody tells you about that you have to do countless times. Right. And, um, it's, it's a huge piece to it. You know, I, you know, when we go on the catbacker tours, Colin went, uh, one time for a while and, and van went last year. Those are important pieces to be able to get out and get out in front of the people that you see every Saturday from afar. Van seems like an important I mean, they're all your coaches are important, but he just kind of plays this 
cool role on your staff. I don't know how to define it. Uh, well, and he comes and he sees us at least cool, twice a year. Yeah. He thinks he's cool, but he's not. <laughs> he, he, uh, you know, and, and he always comes has this bravado to him. I'm like, come on, man, you're an old man like me. Um, so you don't have, you don't have all that cachet you think you do, but I love the guy. He's, he's the best. The absolute, he's been the absolute world to me, uh, moving him to the assistant head coach and giving him some different responsibilities and, uh, connecting, um, with everybody, uh, on the staff and the support staff in the locker room. Um, his experience has been so helpful and his time will come and, uh, he knows it, uh, that, uh, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to get head jobs. There's yeah, not that many of them. And he's had some opportunities, but it's also got to be the, it's also got to be the right fit where you know, you're going to have an administration that's going to give you a chance to succeed or to your point, I can just go be a head coach to be a head coach. But if I don't have a chance to succeed right. then in three years, I'm going to be looking for another assistant's job. Right. Which brings me back to your hiring. I, I, you have taken a path that is rare, if not completely unique. And it's amazing. I, looking at your resume, your, your first kind of full staff job at the FBS level was a head coach. You were at KU as a grad assistant, as a head coach. It's it's absolutely amazing, Chris. Um, you know, Fitz, I don't see it that way. I do see it from your guys' in the media's perspective that way. And and I, I've said this till I'm blue in the face and you know it. You guys yep. got tired of it when I said football is football to me. And um, it's still about building relationships, caring about kids, challenging people, showing people you care, uh, because the football part of it, other than the fact that stabs are bigger, there's a lot of really good football coaches at the lower level that probably don't get the opportunity. And I'm indebted to Gene Taylor because he saw us, meaning Riles, myself, Kleiner, he saw us all work at North Dakota State and said, you know what? It, it can be successful right. down here. Um, but I'd say the same thing about Jerome. You know, Jerome was never a head coach. Why, why, why does it work for him? Just because he's been uh, a power five or, you know, mid-major, not mid-major, but power five assistant basketball coach doesn't mean it's going to work as a head coach. But I think that's where, you know, you have a guy like Gene that can that can see things and, and project things. And I think he's done a tremendous job of that, of saying, I know what fits and works at Kansas State. Yeah, I'm I'm in heaven right now. I've got Gene Taylor, who's a gentleman. I've got you and Jerome, who are both good men and, and really good coaches. Um, I feel like we're entering a unique phase, a possibly, you know, historic phase of Kansas State athletics that might have been kicked off with your Big 12 championship. I just feel really good about K-State sports. I, I do, too, uh, Fitz. I, I am like you. There's so much unknown for the next three years yep. and what's going on in college athletics and conference realignment stuff. And which makes it probably even harder to, to, to sustain success um, because there's so much out there that's unknown right now of what's going to happen uh, in the landscape of, of college football and realignment. And I don't know where basketball is going, but I look at our world of football um, what's going to happen in the next three years. It'll be interesting to see. And I'm excited to have a front row seat for it. Yeah, it really is going to be an amazing process, and I'm, I'm just glad to be covering this now as the point of view is the hunter instead of the hunted. It, it, I'm, I'm yep. shocked the Big 12 is still alive and standing, but here we are. But you and TCU with that great game you played in the Big 12 championship kind of proved that TV viewers want good football. Yeah, sure, they'll follow brands around the dial, but if there's 
a good football game, they're going to lock in, and that's what the Big 12 typically does. There's there's very few ugly games in the Big 12. No, we're as strong as, as I think we've ever been and, and strong at the right time. And we had talked – uh, when 2021 started, basically, of we better be a part of the haves and not the have-nots yeah. if you want to continue to uh, elevate and evolve in, in this ever-changing sport. And, you know, what we did in 2021, especially finishing that off the way we did and then having the success we had in 2022, um, we got to continue that sustained success. And I don't want to have a, uh, a great team. We want to have a great program. Um, but uh, I think the Big 12 is as strong as it's as it's been since I've been here. Um, I know that uh, Commissioner Yormark's done a phenomenal job of of bringing uh, a bunch of teams and a bunch of entities together. And, and I know that a lot of it is to deal with the TV stuff. And you know more about that than I do. But I think we're at a much, much mm-hmm. better place than we've been and a strong, um, stable environment in our television world that hopefully continues to get bigger and better. Okay, one final thing for you. I know you got a meeting with Gene. Um, Gene Taylor's causing me to cut this short. It's all about Gene. It's just Gene, Gene, Gene. I think he's a boss or something. Um, you are famous for football as football. What has been different about this level of competition for you? Um, how much I've had to adapt and adjust uh, to what we did at North Dakota State in, in having the success and, and winning the championships that we did, saying, here's, here's our brand. We're, we're going to stick with our brand because we're always going to be better than everybody. And I still think that's that was the thought process. Coming down here, um, if you'd have told me in the first three to four years, uh, I was going to totally change the defense <laughs> to – to match what we had to face in the big 12 going to a four down to three down to changing a lot of the offense uh, of, you know, everybody's going to be, you have to run the football to be successful, but the way we were running it and doing it from a huddle and now changing to a lot more, no huddle. And uh, that's where I've evolved more than anything as far as on the field stuff. And then the off the field stuff, sports sciences is sports science. It has changed my thinking, and I'm not going to get into too much because I think we're doing a lot of things at K-State that are on cutting edge, um, but the sports science part of, of, of dealing with athletes and getting kids to their peak performance, what we're doing at K-State I think is really, really special. And it, it happens with you know all of our strength staff, our nutrition staff, our athletic training staff, our recovery staff, um, everybody. It's been uh, refreshing, and it's really challenged me and spun my wheels and made me better. Oh, and there's the NIL, just that. Exactly right. I mean, it's an incredible development. It's changing of the whole sport. And, you know, I know you're old at 55. You're very old. Um, yes. Um, quite old. Uh, keep in mind, I'm older than you. Uh, it's it's not easy to adjust to this really seismic shift on how you do business. Yeah, it, it isn't. Um, but um, there's been a lot of great things that have come out of NIL and and kids that have come to Kansas state and have profited uh, off their name, image and likeness and, and profited well, as well as 
taking care of teammates and taking care of family mm-hmm. and doing it the right way. Um, it's been, uh, I, I think pretty positive at Kansas state. I hope it stays that way because it's been really positive for the, for the young men and women that have been able to profit off of it. Um, but between names like his like this and transfer portal, that's the evolution of football that we're always trying to stay up, on, uh, stay up, up on and make sure that you're recruiting your kids to stay and be a part of this for four or five years um, because that's the thing that has changed a little bit is you're not just recruiting off campus. You're recruiting your, your roster every day too. And that's by building relationships with them. Yep, exactly. Well, I'd like to congratulate you on your, your incredible season, your progress you've made. Uh, I'd also like to congratulate you on uh, you flipping me shit about the Texas TCU score is my open on Sirius XM every time I appear. Um, so you, you, you giving me hell is now part, part of my brand. Good. Uh, yeah, it is. It's good. It's good you for me. You need that once in a while. And, uh, I also want to be humble too, you know, I humble, believe me, I'm married. I know. <laughs> um, and, and finally, I just want to tell you that I will not be covering your game at Texas in this really wraps back to the start of this entire discussion uh, because basketball will be playing in Las Vegas. I have chosen yeah, I Las Vegas that. over Austin. Sorry. I, I, I don't blame you. I know I know that. Yep. Okay. Yep. And UNLV's involved. USC's involved. So you're there. Yep. Got it. Coach, thank you much. Appreciate everything. Appreciate your friendship and you keep kicking ass. Appreciate it, man. Fits well praying for you all the time. So thanks for having me. Thank you, brother. You know, when you're a young sports writer, you, you try to be friends with everyone. And in reality, in this business, you can't be friends with all the people you cover. It just doesn't work that way. But a certain subset of coaches or athletes with whom you deal understand your job. They get what you're having to do. And sometimes that means you ask the hard questions. None of these were the hard questions, but I do occasionally throw those at Chris Kleiman. And he handles it with grace and always gives me good, thoughtful answers. He's a quality dude. How can you not be friends with a guy like that, even if you want him to win 13, 14, 15 games a season? That's all. That's all I ask. That's it. We hope you enjoyed the Chris Kleiman interview. I've got some great guests lined up for the rest of the summer, but that's it for the opening episode of the fourth season of Life of Fits. And remember, fellas, if you're 45 years or older, please go to your doctor and get your PSA scored. It's a simple blood test, and it is the best indicator to prostate health issues. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon. Mount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.